Hey everybody and welcome to episode 189 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. Yeah, I just like mm-hmm. making this very organic, my man. But you know, I've done it before. Put put in put in the mics, and they haven't worked. And then I've been sitting here with someone going, "What's going on?" Just looking at you, and I'm yeah. like, "Volume is on, and your connections. Or is it your? You're not on mute, and the video is working." So no, I, test, I tested it, but I wasn't sure if I wasn't sure if using Zoom if it was going to feedback or not. Usually, so, yeah, I, it's all right. It's fine. Yeah, I've had the same experience. Yeah. I used to use Mr. mic and headphones, and recently I've just been doing it like this, and it's actually fine. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I would like to get is like a, is to, to do this on the road and to get a like very high end camera and to get people. It's, it's nice to do it face to face. I was going to say actually, I'm, I'm back in like May time, and then maybe in July. So it'd be good to meet up and do one face to face. It's just it's nice. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. I keep meaning to get like a, all I've got is a white wall and what have you, but you know, it's it doesn't even matter if it's just like a camera base now, and you just and and even just got some headphones on, it's just like it's quite nice. But I, mean, I just thought I was doing the right thing and it, it backfired, didn't it? So, wait, but anyway, and how are you, mate? How's, how's it going in Mexico? Yeah, I'm actually in Costa Rica now, so we're in Costa Rica. Okay. We moved, so we come over about two, two and a bit weeks ago. Just fancied, yeah, we just heard good things and fancied like a, a change. And so we were in a place called Santa Teresa, which is got a very, it's like a health, the health conscious part, but it's very, yeah, it's a surfing town and it, it's getting more westernized. It's getting more higher end or bougie as the Americans like to say, but it's still got wet, like that earthy substance to it, like dusty roads, people on ATVs, but big waves. Yep. And so Paul Saladino, do you know the Carnivore MD? Do you know him? I do know the Carnivore MD, but I've forgotten the name is Rita Bell. Yeah. He, 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 you know, yeah, he lives here and a, a few others like moved here because it was. So, so what, what's the situation in, in Costa Rica compared to Mexico in terms of being out of the frame of, because obviously the Mexican government are not quite, they're not really on board with the new world order and all that kind of stuff. So is that the same, is that a similar situation in Costa Rica? Is it? So what, so. Basically, well, I tell you, well, when it comes to the Mexican government, the Mexican government do as they're told by their cartel. So, it's a bit yeah, we're gonna say. Like, yeah, it's like all the countries that are run by governments are following this agenda, and all the countries that are run by cartels aren't. 
because the ones that are run by cartels didn't ever have to shut down. It's, what, it's why like the mafia in Italy, I talked about this before, the mafia in Italy, you went to the government about a year ago and were like, unless you give us some of the contracts vaccinating people, we're going to cause a big fucking issue. And so that's what they actually got the contracts for. Um, and they started vaccinating people because they were losing money on obviously prostitution, drug sales, etc. because they shut down. Whereas in me, yeah. they never shut down because they run things. That's why I went there to begin with. And so in Costa Rica, yeah, they, it was, it was open. There's like certain places want, like want you to wear a mask to walk in, but we don't go to those places. It's not, it's very few of them. There's nothing. It, what's, what's the, what's the travel time from Costa Rica to Mexico? It's not that much, is it? Two hours, hour and a half. Yeah. It's like hour and a half. It's just, yeah. no, none of the, there's none of the, the vaccine medicines no, going through. So. If you don't have a vaccine, they want you to get COVID health insurance, which is basically just insurance to cover them. Should you get COVID and, and need a respirator, et cetera, which we, we both know is complete nonsense anyway, but they yeah. cover, cover you on that. And so that's what they want you to do. This, this place was actually open as well. What I found as, as well, Roy, probably as you have, it doesn't even matter what country you're in. If you're in secluded parts, it doesn't fucking exist, you know, apart from occasional people that have probably brought into it and they get scared which is the whole point of it anyway but like even i went to a wedding last year in the summer in england in norfolk and it, it was there was nothing no it was in secluded part of norfolk no one was doing any of this it's because it was just like out it's all the big cities uh, where they push this stuff but in here it's it's like yeah it's no one's when, when you're out and, when you're out and about and you're, you're talking to people, you're going into, maybe you're going into a bar or restaurant or whatever, what's the general feeling then amongst the, well, first amongst the people that are kind of over there, either on holiday or doing kind of what you're doing. And also like what the, what about the locals? Yeah. So is it general abstinence of government guidelines in those so, areas? So put it this way, a lot of the people that we meet that are out here and have been in Mexico are all people like ourselves. Because they come here because they, they know it's all a nonsense. And so the most people you've meet, you meet are, you know, very awake individuals who know, know, know the crack, you know, they know what's going on. So that's it. And with the local locals, they, they, they didn't ever have it. It's like in Mexico, they never really had it there. Like it, very few of them believe it. They, they don't, they don't trust government anyway, especially in Mexico. They don't, they don't really trust government in certain areas we were. And so I say like, they just been living their lives getting on with it and they realize that you know it's not a, not an issue so they just they don't admit some of the laws in certain places say like you have to wear a mask so they're sort of not worried about getting fined by police so is it the same is it the same situation as what we've got over here whereas the the law or the perceived law is not actually the law so you've got these mandates where it's you know you choose whether you enter it like you choose whether you enter into that as a, as a contract, but actually it's more of a perception or is it actually, you're going to get, you know, somebody's going to throw you in a cell for 24 hours and you're going to need a common law solicitor or. So um, over, over these countries, my man, one of the great thing about these countries, yeah. positives and negatives are yeah. everyone's got a price. And so yeah, I was going to duck you in jail because you're just going to go here, mate, here's a hundred pounds. And they'll go, cool. And they go, they don't, they don't want to chuck me in jail, they don't do the paperwork. They won't know hassle. They just grow. Ryan, do you follow Jeff Berwick by any chance? Uh, the name rings a bell. Jeff, yeah. Uh, his, his name is, well, I think oh, the government. Yeah, the vigilante. Oh, the vigilante. So I used to watch it. He got me through all of the, 
the nightmare of what was going on in England because I didn't escape. So, and there were very few, you know, I've got close circle of friends that know what's going on outside of that. I've got more friends, but they're kind of dispersed around the country or in different countries. So I watched Donald Vigilante and I was watching him. He got thrown in jail and then sort of did actually documented it. I don't know if you saw it. And then he ended up, he bribed them for like, and he got everybody else out of the jail. Yep. I think he, I can't remember what it was. It might've been, I don't know, like a thousand dollars. He got everybody out of the block, out of the jail, you know, and then, so yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, so I remember, so I was watching here when I was in, so we left to Mexico, 2000, November, 2020. And then came back and then went out there again in December and was out there for seven months and come back in like July last year yeah. and then went back, went back to Mexico, then come here. But yeah, I was through that at first summer, you know, I was just working, putting out information, listening to him because it was all going on and he was in Mexico. And I remember that. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, he got, yeah, he said he went in there. It was like, how much? And just paid for everyone to get out. And that, that's, that's the thing with these countries. It's like you, you've got that there, you know, they don't, they don't care. They just want, it's all about making money for them. So if, they, if you give I mean, them, yes, that's, that's the same, that's the same situation everywhere, isn't it? It's just that it's a different way of doing it, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you've got the unscrupulous farmer that at the end of the day, it's, it's a hierarchy, isn't it? And they're making money out of, everyone's making money at a certain level. And then you get to the difficult question of who's making money at the top and why are they, why are they allowing or permitting it to happen? Because for sure, I know I've bumped into many people or I've, I know a few people who have worked very closely in, in pharma and they, you know, much like I'm sure you have as well, they're not bad people and they're not doing what they're doing to harm people, although they are aware that it is happening. But when you get up the bordering ladder, I think, you know, there's some sinister stuff going on and that becomes very difficult, I guess, for people like us, when we're talking to the average lay person who hasn't done any research on any of these subjects to try and communicate the fact that there's some really interesting mix of, of big farmer and obviously the origins of where this all came from. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, well, it's like, even at a base level, you know, you look at their adverts and it'll be like a man and woman running through a meadow, like, oh, all happy and yeah, yeah. taking this drug. And then afterwards it will give like all the side effects. It's like, this is what they do. And it's why people believe in them. They've been programmed from a young age, believe, believe, believe. And I've had some whistleblowers. I had two ringing me up. One was from Pfizer. And one was from AstraZeneca on the phone to me and they said, like, I can't give names, et cetera. And, et cetera. and we had a conversation and I was like, they're like, you don't understand how powerfully they manage us, how powerfully they, they scrutinize what we're doing. And if you put anything out, how they watch, they said the amount of money they've got, they said, the, 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 what, he said what they spent last year on marketing was like, I said 17 times more than what they spend on their, on their research. You know? on that. Yeah, but it was like, I mean, this is like, and he's saying, when you understand the level that, that these guys are going to stop anyone putting anything out, which is, you know, misinformation, which is just the truth. It's crazy. Yes, and so, you, I mean, I, I'm the same, like, I, it's weird for that this situation. I've had, I've lost some friends from this, really, like, the friends I had a long time, but I've had relationships, new ones blossom, and I've also had old ones get even stronger because of, you know, it's probably what, like you, I was one of the first... Uh, only nutcases saying this is all bullshit from the start. I wanted to ask you about that because I didn't, I can't remember how I came across. I, I don't, I think it was me that came across your profile rather than the other way around because I, I had to wipe a lot of my, a lot of my stuff got deleted. A lot of it, I, I still have the, I still have the same Instagram account, but it's obviously under a massive shadow ban like probably what yours is. With, what was, was it, for me, it was the, it was the week before we went into lockdown. Mm. So that would have been 
I think it, I think it'd have been the twelfth or the thirteenth or something like that. So obviously I knew. Is it like two years ago, basically, up to the day, like almost to the day, like? Yeah, yeah, actually it is. It's what are we on now? So March thirty. I can't remember what March fourth. Yeah, so it was March. We went into lockdown on March twentieth, I think. Oh, right, okay. So it's about this time. All right. About March the twentieth, New York went into quarantine on March the twelfth, and it was like every bad. Every awful article I'd ever read, you know, cause I, I used to follow Mike Adams a lot before all of this happened yep. and I, I watched his YouTube channel get taken down when he did an amazing expose on, on Florida, water fluoridation. I think it was something like two hours long and that, that, that was incredible. It was the most in-depth detailed analysis of where, we, where we got to in terms of water fluoridation around the world and all of the focus studies and how they'd convinced all the scientists and how there was no evidence for it and how it was an artificial form of, you know, the fertilizer industry, the phosphate mining. Um, and then his, his, his YouTube got completely, and that was probably for me, that was one of the pivotal moments when I was like, okay, there's, there's something really, really sinister going on here. And then that builds up and up and up. And because I followed his website, a lot of it, to be honest, sometimes I had to turn away from it because it was so unnerving. And, and I had a habit of what, looking at this stuff, uh, you know, 10 30 at night, right before going to bed, you know, everything blue light just before bed and it's horrific. And, and then when that happened with New York, I was like, here we go. You know, this is, this is the, this is the road drill to the roadmap to martial law, to remove, removal of civil liberties and everything else that obviously even I know goes, goes along with that. But for you, what was, what was the day or the moment? Cause I think from what I've, from what I understand, because I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts and. I think I handled it a lot worse than you did. Definitely. Yeah. So what, what for you was the moment when you were like, it's, this is what's, this is definitely the full steam ahead now. I think, I think I've got like a very, I think my, I've mentioned it before. I think one of my like superpowers is being able to know all this stuff and not, not bothering me, just getting on with my life. Yeah. Like you create your own reality. That's what I say. Like you create your own income, you can create your own economy and you're stepping into energy and just being like, I've, I've been talking about this for a long time. I was expecting it to come and I was just. Just going to say, like, well, throughout humanity, these things have always happened, and humanity have always, has always found a way around it. You know, we, unfortunately, some people, you know, don't, and etc. But the people that have seen it coming, it's like the I always say, if anyone wants to understand what it's like, it's, watch the go and watch the film The Big Short. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. It's a head of a film. It's about the. Oh, was that the, was that the, the collapse of the 2008? Yeah. Am I right? Is that the Brad Pitt one? Yeah. Housing market, yeah. Yeah, yeah, housing market, yeah. Yeah, and it said like, and where the whole world, it said like, where the whole world was this, you know, a few weirdos, yeah, and a few like recluses or a few like people knew what was going on and the rest of the world didn't and everyone laughed at them and, you know, was it, he was called Chicken Little for two years because he thought the sky would fall in and I was just like, I know this is coming, I've seen it, 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 it everything, I mean, I, it, was, it was really because my first mentor when I got into this, like, it, it was... Someone asked me this question the other when, I'm, when we first started, about two years ago, into this. I've been, been talking about this for a, a while, like it was coming. And I was like, well, to understand health, you need to understand nutrition. Just one aspect of it, nutrition. To understand nutrition, you need to understand farming. Understand farming, you need to understand soil science and what they and the chemicals they use, they're using them. Then you need to understand the companies that make these chemicals and then the people that run those companies. Then you start, it starts going deeper and deeper. And it's like, well, big agro, big big tech, big telecom, you know, all these big industry. And so for me, it's just like, I was like, right, this is happening. People have always found a way, you know, 
I, I will. <laughs> and um, I think, yeah, I think that's a brilliant mindset. I wish I had it <laughs> because I'm very much of that mindset now. But for me, I think one of the problems I had, and I don't know how this relates to what, what you were going through in your mindset, but one of my biggest problems was probably like yourself being quite empathic in terms of caring about other people when, you know, I have, you know, tended to put other people first in terms of make sure they're okay, make sure they're okay. And then actually stress myself out to hire head with sucks. That wasn't a superpower of mine to stop that from happening. But I was most concerned about all the people that would follow the propaganda and that would believe it and continue to believe it. And beyond that, they, I, I already knew, I mean, like you probably did as well. As soon as the hammer dropped on the, on the, on the lockdown, I already, I could see them lining up for their injections. I could see, I knew the background to the industry, I knew how incalculably fraudulent it is and how they get away with these, you know, tens of billions of pounds worth of fines and how this was going to be no different and how it perfectly aligned with the telecoms agenda, with the new world order agenda, with the agricultural sustainable development agenda. So then that was going to merge into climate change. And so I really struggled to think, how do I communicate that to people to prepare them so that they don't go and take it, you know, that effectively metaphorically don't jump off the bridge. And so I was waking up every day and I was like posting on Instagram and Facebook and getting called crazy and you are mad. I mean, I remember when I was people about the passports and things like that and what that actually means. Cause the, I suppose the, the cleverness of the, what, what do we want to call them? The, the cabal or the elites, the genius is in the simplicity of a very complex plan and how they managed to unfold it just at the right time, just to get people, you know, the, the slow creep towards totalitarianism. Um, yeah, the totalitarian tiptoe, that one. So I really struggled with that, especially with, I had friends in foreign countries and I was reading them, you know, I was speaking to them and I was like, you realize what's coming. And in one breath, I was saying, you know, this is all about, you know, under the, under the veil of biosecurity and it's effectively entering the body and this transhumanist agenda. Well, that's too much for somebody to take who thinks that there's a bug going around and they've just got to stay indoors for a couple of weeks. And. And, and a lot of people, they, they didn't want to listen. So they were like, oh no, it's fine. It's Mike's going to enjoy yourself and go and have a gin and tonic and go and have, you know, go and have some fun or whatever. And, and I found that, I found that probably the most difficult part. And then watching people do it and actually getting the same, many of the people that I begged not to, based on the fact that I'm not a scientist, although you can go down that road in terms of who's, who's science you believe and. You know, so you're not a scientist, you hand them this scientist, they go, well, not that one. And you know, we've been pretty bad so many times. And they were coming back to me like, like with a blood clot. I've got uh, cerebral thrombosis, stroke, paralysis down one side of the arm, miscarriage, stillbirth, you name it, and birth defect, you know, eye blindness as well, peripheral not, neuropathy, the mist. I mean, you've probably seen that. Is it a 16, is it 16 pages of the Pfizer adverse events or adverse adverse reactions that they, they'd written out that got released about, I think it's about four days ago or something like that. So it's, it's just, it's, it's very difficult to, to read that. So I don't know, how did, but you did okay with that and you would, were you just at peace, I guess, in terms of what will be, what will be, and just make plans to make sure that everything's okay. I wasn't at peace. It wasn't at peace. I was like, you know, putting up like so many articles and videos and doing anything. And, and the thing, because I've been saying this stuff for a while, that, I didn't, some people like I lost, but other people were just like, well, Ryan's been saying this for a long time and you saw, you saw right. Like, oh, right. And so, no, it was, when it comes to that, I mean, with, with the side effects or, you know, the, uh, yeah, 
the side effects of that, I mean, every single one of them has over 400 adverse effects listed. Yeah. Right. Everything from allergy to death. And so when it, and it comes to this and it's not even, um, you know, it's a, it's experiments 108 days to, to give it the okay. And then it wants 75 years to release the data. And so. Well, no, awesome. well, yeah. how, how did you know that brief? I, I think the word experimental bugs me a lot because yeah. to me, when you tell somebody that's an experimental therapy or an experiment, even experimental gene therapy, the word therapy and the word experimental, it almost leads you to believe that there's, there's a genuinely positive expected outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I, I postulate that both of us think, think we both knew that, that it was never an experiment. There was an experiment that they, of which they knew the outcome potentially within the experiment, I suppose, when you look at the batch numbers, and I think there's mounting, that there was, there were three different batches that were going out and it's impossible to know exactly for me to know exactly where those batches went, but that kind of explained why you had a huge amount of people that were coming back and saying that I've got absolutely zero, I've got zero side effects. I'm absolutely fine. So that really appealed to the kind of the almost a blase attitude of sort of, well, in England, the lads culture, you know, it's like, I'm absolutely fine. Take it for the team, get back on it. We're, you know, we're doing it for, to, you know, whatever, whatever else is up going on holiday, whatever. And then there was the other batch that had something in it. And then there was the, the one that had a highly thalid. And I forgot what I was going to say there. I had some points to make, Brian. I know probably, probably saying that when it comes to the different batches, they, there was definitely a placebo and I think they did it in like more middle-class areas, probably people they don't see as, as like, what they call them, what they call them, um, bottom feeders, basically like useless, yeah. useless eaters or whatever. And so then these are the wise people, the people that I went to school with, all the private school people who think that they're yeah. intelligent, um, and they've been programmed to be a good little slave. Then the bell rings, you go to class and, you know, I always say this, everyone, of all my <clears throat> people who didn't go to states, they went to state school. Most of them have got their own business or one private school guys. I think I'm the only one who has their own business. Because they're not taught how to have their own business and they're just taught to be like a middle management and just listen to what, you know, the man says. And, you know, it's just like crazy. And a lot of them, luckily I've had about four or five of my close friends who have been following my work for forever and they really trust what I do. And so I had people I could talk to about this and it was like, okay, but a lot of them just went off the deep end for at least like half a year, a year. Some of them are I'm much more awake now because I find it like how you can't be awake now. You've literally got to be like half brain dead or just in perpetual fear. That's the thing, like, uh, which they, they do, you know, well, they're very good at that. They're very good at, at fear, then changing the narrative, fear, changing the narrative. Oh, this comes up that they, they switch it, you know, they switch it all the well, time. It's, it's, it's just much confusion, isn't it? I mean. I, I guess, you know, for somebody like me, who's, who's followed various pharmaceuticals, big agriculture, big telecom, those kind of industries for the last, you know, 50, well, probably, probably 13, 14 years, but it's even, even for me, it's very, very confusing. Now, how old are you, Rish? I'm 43. 43. Okay. And so you, and you got into this 15, 40, 15 years ago? No, no, no. So, so I, the, I got into, I understood that there was something fundamentally wrong with the world when I was about 28, 29. And I had a phone conversation with a friend of mine who was heavily into this or is very heavily into this. And he, he was asking me when I was 28 year old lad, he was, you know, a pretty, I was pretty much just interested in drinking beer and eating whatever it, 
whatever I could get my hands on. And, and he said, oh, you do know who the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds are? And I was like, no. And he said, you know, the banking families that rule the world, or at least in part rule the world, or visibly, so to speaking. Um, I've always been really inquisitive. So I sort of, would, I, this was back in the day when Google wasn't so heavily censored, obviously. This was before. What, sorry? Yeah, worked to search. And so I went on to, I went on to Google. I was like, oh my God, these guys are running medicine and they're running educational policies and they're running all this stuff. And I was like, wow. And they run, and this, and then I started going to the Federal Reserve and everything. And that is sort of had that in mellow background to just everyday life. So I was kind of interested in what was going on. I kind of, I, I, I learned about the chemtrails and things like that. And it was when I was 36. So that'll be the, it just, how that be 2016, 2016, I believe. Actually, what happened was I, my, my, my Labrador suffered what I now believe I can't prove this, but I, I now believe he was, he, he ingested poison. I'd taken him, it, there was some heavy flooding going on in my hometown. And I'd taken him for a sort of a randomly different walk around the back of a sports ground, some, by some indoor tennis courts. And I believe there was some, I believe it's called bromothelin. I mean, I could be wrong here. And I'm not saying this categorically, but. All of his symptoms matched that. However, I didn't know that at the time. And I took him to the vets and they gave him XYZ injection. There was no mention of activated charcoal or anything that would have cleansed his, his stomach. And he got worse and worse and he died inside of, inside of about 40 hours. So that's kind of like, so then that, that, and it was right in the, it was the beginning of, well, some middle of winter. So it was like back in the 19th of January, 2016. So then I went through a huge depression, which is, which is difficult to explain because obviously I know, I know people who've lost parents and I've lost family members and friends through, through death. Uh, and I was actually wiped out when this, this dog died with the man, you know, he had fits and seizures and bleeding and all the rest of it. And then I paid the vet to, to, to. I say it's so funny. I want you to keep, keep the, just as you're saying that dog has been crying at the door. She can hear your story. Oh, well, she said, right, do you want to come in? And I was just saying, it's funny how energy works. He said, you paid the vet and you went down, did all the. Yeah. So, so, so I, I, I was just a loss and, and the vets had basically said, oh, it must've been a brain tumor. And I was naive to say the least. And I just believed it because obviously that's, you know, it's what you do. You go to the vets and, you know, we could talk all night about how that's the general thing that people do in the Western world. We, we pedestal medicine and, and vets and. And I had no reason to disbelieve them, although it didn't make any sense because I was thinking brain cancer. Well, why did he not display any symptoms of that? And why was it so sudden? And I spoke to my friend who actually got me onto the whole nutrition thing years before, or who was very interested in it. And, and he said, that's a brain tumor. He was the first one to say it. And I started looking it up and I was feverish and I was just brain tumor. I was like, yeah, that fits seizures, bleeding through the nostrils. That's not brain tumor. Sorry, that's uh, that's that's poison ingestion. I meant to say, and it could have been, you know, if he had activated charcoal within a certain time frame, that could have saved him or bentonite clay or the diatomaceous earth or something. And I was like, Jesus, that's I, how is this possible? Anyway, about two weeks later, some friends of mine had a dog with terminal cancer, quote unquote, and they rung me up and they they had many dogs, and they were going to they were going on holiday and their dog they wanted to put their dog to sleep. And they gave me this dog to put to sleep, to go and take to the same vet that, had, that I now believed. And actually I don't want to be done for liable here, but I'm just giving this is just, this is, this is just a belief that they, in part, let's say they didn't, I would have preferred them to have given them a different treatment. Let's just say, 
So I've been saying that anyway, back to then. And, and so I was like in still devastated about my dog, but I thought, okay, I'll take your dog to the, to the vet. So they be good family friends or whatever. And I won't question why you're going on holiday when your dog's dying, because that's another story. And I went to pick up the dog and this was a pivotal moment for me. So this was the day my life changed. So I went to pick up the dog and on the side of the kitchen countertop was some of you dog meat in a tin type thing. And it was left out with a, and I'm not, you know, I'm not having to go at these people That's or, or anything. It just stinks. That's horrendous. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I got, so, so I found the tip and, and then he also had Baker's dry mix, which is like cancer. It's like cancer in a pellet. Basically. It's like, it's like the dog's version of Eshaw. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's all, all, you know, worse than McDonald's or at least on, on the same level, but he had esophageal cancer. And then I see it spread to live in his lymphatic system. And apparently I never saw the scans, but apparently he was riddled with it and he couldn't, he could, but he was shallow breathing and he was foaming at the mouth. He had red eyes and he was on metacan and tramadol to alleviate the pain and the uh, inflammation. Right. And so I took him to my house and I just sat there with him and I looked at him and I was like, I, I know something about this because my, one of my best mates reversed his mother's terminal breast cancer about 15 years ago using diet and nutrition. And she was given, I think she was given a few months to live. Only, you know, 15 years later. By law, you can't say that. Um, Chemotherapy, radiation or surgery. Let's just so that you know. Yeah, yeah. So so he, let's say she's still, she's still with us. And he, uh, yeah, what can we say actually? Can we say that she. Her body healed itself whilst it was. Right, the right, the right. And environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. So anyway, so they call it miraculous recovery in the medical field. Spontaneous remission, isn't it? Yeah. Spontaneously remissed. Anyway, so I, I tried, I won't go into too much detail, but basically I got some natural compounds, which involved the curcumin and black seed oil and even lemon juice and apple cider vinegar and good old black pepper and what else did I put? Sodium bicarbonate. So I was, I was looking into various, I was looking into the metabolic theory of cancer. I just started Googling stuff and I started looking on YouTube and this stuff hadn't been thrown off to YouTube at that time. Yeah, yeah. So I found it fascinating. I actually found a Russian guy giving, giving healing a horse of cancer with, uh, well, sorry, spontaneously, spontaneous remission of a, of a, of a horse using herbs and various things. So, so is that, is that, that's, that's the Huxley. That's Huxley. I don't know if you've seen it. Was it Huxley or Huxley? Sorry, Huxley Cancer Clinics, where they yeah. they found the horse that was having cancer. They, they It was starting to eat all the dandelion and it was starting to eat all the milk. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He, he was the one who was actually the only person to ever beat the AMA in court because he had so much money from oil, he could put them to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I, I remember watching that before it got censored. So, so yes, yeah, so anyway, I made, I made this dog a tonic. And I, I see that the reason is because I was looking at metacamatramadol, read up on the side effects. It was the first thing I did. Looked at the fact that cancer was a disease of a weakened immune system, theoretically. Obviously, we know it's a disease of, you know, not enough chemotherapeutics or radiation. But theoretically, there was a hypothesis that said it might be a disease of a weakened immune system. So I decided that metacamatramadol obviously would compromise his ability to transport nutrients. It would deplete his liver function and his renal function. So, so I gave him these things, but I really, it wasn't scientific about it. I, I just did it by eye. I was just, it was just an intuitive thing. And I diluted this liquid into a syringe because he couldn't swallow. And I squirted it down his mouth, this sheepdog, gave him a little bit of an orange beard, 
and had no idea what I was doing. But the see, my logic was that he was supposed to be going to sleep anyway. And I don't think I could do any worse than that. So anyway, so I also got some raw meat. So I threw the food away. See, I never actually took the food from his house. Got some raw organic meat. And he managed to eat a couple of pieces of it, just tiny, tiny little pieces of it. About, I would say about, well, that night I gave him two, two doses of this liquid. And then the following, which I suppose you could even call like a variation of golden paste now. But the following morning I went downstairs and I'm, his red eyes had got 90% whiter, if not 95% whiter, which just blew me away. The foam that was coming out of his mouth and dribbling down his chin had gone. There was no more foaming at the mouth and he wagged his tail for the first time. And he actually started mooching around the living room. And I was, I told my mum, and my mum was like, don't be ridiculous. You know, you can't reverse or do, you know, heal an animal like that. And I was like, well, I'm sure going to find out. On the second day, he was eating a good old, a good handful of meat. Now I hadn't eaten. I don't think he'd eaten in eight days. I think it'd been a, a, been a good over a week since he had anything to eat. He'd had no nutrition his entire life. He was also stressed because he was three, with three other sheepdogs. So that's obviously going to impact his adrenal function and his, his, his basically his, his, his blood pressure and it's going to cause inflammation in the gut, et cetera. So I took him, I took him for a walk and on the second day, second evening of the second day, he was, he was kind of countering, you know, which this is a dog that I'd have to carry out of my car. So I'm not saying that, you know, well, of course, I'm not saying that all the tumors had disappeared overnight, but it was unbelievable to watch almost to the point where often when I, I just met somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of withhold the, how the speed or the, the, the rapidness of how quickly that actually happened. But on the fourth day, I took him to my mother's house. And he started barking and he hadn't barked in about seven or eight months. And he was barking and jumping up and down and wagging his tail. On the seventh day, when his owners came back, he was running up and down their sofas. I mean, he was an eight-year-old dog, but we're talking an eight-year-old dog that was supposed to be in a, in a casket. And so from that moment on, I then, and I, I was suffering from all these autoimmune conditions. And I was like, oh my God, right. So I started following probably much of the same things that you've been, been looking into for a long time. And then I, I just was like, look, I'm going to start eliminating things from my diet. I actually accidentally did a ketogenic diet, but it was full kind of anti-cancer, you know, phytonutrient rich enzyme, live food, everything organic. And my body had never had that kind of experience before. And then in, inside of about 12 days, literally every problem that I had evaporated. I'm not saying that everybody that does that on a ketogenic style diet will, will experience that, but that was my experience. My eyesight even improved insomnia, depression, anxiety, all the pain that I'd suffered. I had a, a torn rotator cuff, which I'd done on a pet deck when I was 15. And it was the first time in, so that would have been 20 years. And suddenly like my shoulder moved by. Was you doing raw, raw meats, raw egg? No, no, I wasn't at the time. I was doing, I was just doing organic. It was, it was relatively simple. I'd do a huge salad bowl with everything in it. You know, we talk like raw onions and grated courgette, grated carrot, raw grated cabbage, you know, very, not too many, but uh, quite, you know, some tomatoes and things like that. And then I was cooking in coconut oil. I wouldn't touch anything that wasn't organic. I filtered, started filtering my water, which I hadn't done previously. And then I got into, then I started adding iodine and, and I started taking this turmeric based tonic as well, which I found great, you know, great alleviation. And I know there's a lot, a lot of people that was, you know, there's so many different 
opinions even in the independent solutionistic health world where somebody will say, well, don't take apple cider vinegar because then that's kind of acidifying. And then other people will say, well, that could prevent reflux because you're actually, you know, you could be weak in stomach acid. And I was mixing all these things together and I was doing honey with bicarbonate of soda, which was the, Maslow Brzezinski, I believe, he was the Eastern European chap that, now you were talking about Huxley and I think Brzezinski, I think he was taken to court more times than any other doctor or something to do with the FDA for this bike sodium bicarbonate therapy, which was incredibly effective on lymph, lymph node cancers, especially when injected locally. But I was just whacking that into the mix and playing around with tonics. Uh, yeah, within, well, inside of 13, 12 days, all of my aches and pains, my, what you would have said was early onset rheumatoid arthritis had disappeared, isolated and improved. Um, and yeah, so you had a lot of joint pain, not inflammation. Yeah, joint, I mean, yeah, now I look back, I'm like, you're not so obvious, but then at the same time, Oh, it really made life. You don't know what you don't know. You just so right. yeah. And that that became the mission then. After that, at any as soon as that happened, I was like, how many other people don't know about this? Because originally I was like, okay, so we've got the cancer industry, and I just I'd wrap my head around that. But then I was like, well, what else is there? And then I was realizing that, you know, you've got gastro, great gastro, and pretty much every ology and gastrointestinal and unnecessary orthopedic surgery, knee replacements that necessarily needn't have to happen. You've got, you know, problems with cardiovascular that could be prevented. And it's, there's this, this figure, I think they say 85% or 86% of diseases are lifestyle preventative, but I think it's, I think it's probably higher to be honest with you. And it, and uh, I think what the, the, the old head of the old surgeon general in America, I can't remember his name. He actually come out on TV and said 90. 8% of these issues are lifestyle and diet related. The next day they yeah. fight him. They fight him the next day. I can't remember who he is. He to do that, don't he? Yeah. And he was on I don't... Yeah, the diet and lifestyle. As you know, I mean, please, you just, and plus people program this to eat, you know, it's up in the morning, you have cereal with milk and then you have a sandwich and then you have, you know, pasta for dinner or whatever. It's just, it's just what people do because they've been programmed to do it. And it's not like people... I was the same. My mum and dad did the same. My mum always cooked food and stuff, but we had like cereals and, and breads and yeah, we did. and stuff. And, and she didn't, she wasn't trying to hurt me. She didn't know. She just followed what she was told, you know, and like everyone else. And when you look back from history and all these tribes and it, it, like digital tools yeah. that never even have the name for disease because they didn't ever have it. Like Western A prices work, for example, you know, you even have a name for cancer because they never even come across it. You know, no, all of them are lean, healthy, happy, only start to get malformation of like the jaw or the teeth when they start to have white man's food, you know, and so yeah. things that, and it's like, when you go into it and there's so many different, as you're right, there's so many different pe theories in, in our, even in natural health or that have this or don't have that. And, you know, certain compounds, but I look at it like, obviously everyone's, everyone's unique, everyone's individual, everyone's going for their own stressors, but also certain foods that are there to cleanse and to clear, not the same ones that are there to build and to know. And there's just, but, but it also depends on your own. Well, that's true. The chemistry, exactly. So, but just take it. I, I don't know if you know my story. I was, they almost like destroyed me for five years. That's why I do what I do. I had terrible. I wanted to, wanted to ask you, I was going to look, I wanted to look it up and then I thought I'd, I'd rather let, I'd want to ask him. So what actually, what happened to you? Yeah, no. So I'll give you the cliff notes because, you know, it's like. It's so long. Really long, but like, well, when I was like 15, 16, I started getting quite bad acne, like my face and then my chest and my back. Yeah. My best friend died when he was 17 and he sort of pushed my body into that emotional, chemical, physical response. And yep. the acne started getting really, really bad to the point of like I was getting come through chest, back, and it started to like blister and bleed. And then, 
So they put me on, on medication, which, which didn't do anything. And I started to get this thing called keloid scarring, which is where the, the over, you know, keloid scarring is where the, the overheals, the body overheals because it's in so much stress. And so I was getting all rubbery nodules all across here, across my chest and back. They gave me once again, they, they put me on Accutane, which if I'd known now, what I, so I know them, I've never. never done it, you know, vitamin A derivative, 100% chance of birth defect for women, go in the sun and you get burned. Put me on that. But then I started to get these cysts that were coming up in my groin and, and my, my just right. increased my butt. And it was got to the point where I had to wear two shirts because I, I was bleeding from my shirt. I had to, I used to play like rugby at a good level, like pro, pro rugby. And it was getting to the point where I couldn't run. And I was having all the things that they told me to do, you know, the protein shakes, but I was also taking the medication, steroids. And they started giving me, you know, steroid tablets because no, nothing was working, which got rid of my cysts for a little, a little bit. But since I come off them, they come back. Also blew me up to like 98 kg. I was blotchium red. And they started giving me steroid injections in my chest and back for my keloid. And then that didn't heal it. So I had to go. They put me under the surgery to cut my cysts out, uh, which I think was good for like six, seven weeks. And then things started to come back again. So they put me for another surgery to cut it out. And it was all good until it wasn't. And, you know, I was just sitting on the couch, complete shell of a man like fat, overweight, in pain. I was on tramadol and all that as well for the pain. Yeah. And I'd listen to the doctors, the specialists, quote unquote, you know, and, uh, and the dermatologist, if I saw him now, I'd, I'd, I'd I don't know what I'd do to him. Like, yeah. <laughs> 250, yeah. 250 pounds a time, like 60 to 100 injections in my chest and back for steroids. And yeah, I was, the, I was on the couch watching, I've mentioned this before, watching boxing is the only thing I could do was watch sport all the time. And David Hay, who's actually here, actually, I saw him in the gym the other day. Okay. Yeah. He knows. <laughs> He's not stupid. Yeah. So he was flying value for the heavyweight title of the world. And they had a, like, a show called Behind the Ropes, which documents their training. And on that, you know, I, I was watching it and on that, he had his nutritionists. He's also like his, his coach for everything, really, strength conditioning coach, nutritionist, health coach. And he was talking about like cleansing the body. He was talking about organic foods and probiotic rich liquids. He was talking about, you know, based cutting out certain foods because they inflame the body. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? I need to speak to him. This is a different approach. His name is Ruben Tabaris and he's now a close friend. And, you know, I searched him, was like, right, I need to find this guy. I sent him, him, his company an email. They said, oh, we'll get him to, we'll send the message to him and he'll be in contact in maybe in the next week or so. He read my message and he phoned me up within two hours and was like, I wanted to speak to you because come and see me tomorrow. I think it cost me like 350 pounds to go and see him at the time for like an hour. Best money I've ever spent in my life. And he just opened my eyes to a world that didn't know existed. Like told me about what was going on, how I was inflamed, how I was toxic, how I had like an overgrowth of candida because, because of other things like mercury poisoning, the candida was there for that. Sent me to go to a point. Mercury poisoning was up through dental. Was that through amalgam? So, so that was from my mum as a mouthful of a minute it come down. I remember saying, so he sent me to this biological doctor that I use now just to test in certain ways and certain things, homeopathic remedies as well. I said to him, how come as I got ill? How come as I did 17 years about getting ill? And now I still use it to people. He, he said, it's like blowing up a balloon. You keep on blowing it up. One day eventually it will burst. We've all got a toxic threshold. And once it goes over, that was it. And, and. So he found like I had heavy, yeah, heavy metal poisoning and I had remnants of all the different vaccines that I had in me as well. Um, so that, 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 the, the, the metal poisoning was actually, was sort of was from your mother, from when you were, you can see it when you Yeah. So what wow. we don't know is that the firstborn of any mother has like majority of her toxins put in. As wow. You know, 
Yeah. So, and that's why the firstborn can, can, yeah, if they've got a strong constitution can be problems and it's why babies get ill, you know, obviously it's other things like things they get injected with, but babies can get ill because yeah. they get the mother's toxins. So that they get, yeah. And so that was one of the things she had a whole mouth for them there, but she didn't know, like mum was a, mom, yep. no, she was just doing what they told her to do. And, and yeah, but, but you know, Rory it was the worst time of my life, but in retrospect, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Cause if I didn't yeah. for it, I would be like everyone else, you know, and that just opened my eyes and I was like, he was, Ruben was like, I've studied with him for the next three years. I went around and also learned with other people and he'd just be like, watch this, look into this. And I was just looking into it and you just keep on going down the rabbit hole, you know, like yeah. into like AIDS and Dr. Robert Wilner talking about the deadly, deadly deception and same stuff they've done with this, you know, AIDS didn't kill people, AZT did. And it just goes on and it's just. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane, isn't it? When you actually try and. Piece it all together. I mean, I, I think the hardest thing is the more that you know, then the, the more difficult it is to talk to somebody who has no experience in it. Or, I mean, for for they're so they're so good at covering their tracks, aren't they? I don't know how because to me they don't cover the tracks. It's really obvious. But you know, when you talk to somebody who's maybe suffering from cancer, and or you know, somebody a friend of a friend or a family member and friend, and they say, yeah, they're about to do their chemo or whatever, and you're just like, you, you are in this juxt, you're in this horrible rock and a hard place where you can't. You can't, it's almost like not worth to say anything because you're already, I already know what that, that wall, that impenetrable wall of emotional response is going to be like, because it's so evocative and it's so deeply embedded into everybody's psyche as to what to do that, you know, you're, you know, I mean, the obvious answer would be, I think I'm going to trust a psych, I think I'm going to trust an oncologist of, you know, 40 years, an oncologist who's been doing it for 40 years over, over somebody who's who's basically you know not 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 qualified oncologist and you can sympathize with that with that outlook but then that that then takes you back to trying to explain where the origins of allopathic medicine come from and it becomes a much longer conversation and it's hard it's hard it's it's i found that very stressful when i first learned what i learned to actually digest that night on night some people would listen some people wouldn't i was gonna say no one some people listen but it's no one's more self-righteous than they're converted right so you're trying to tell everyone, but then you sort of get to them point and say, like, there's a good analogy that Peter Crone once used, the mind architect. And he said, when you get these situations, rather than just like, he said, even if you, imagine you can't come up to your, your friend's house or someone's house, you know, and you had better furniture than them and, just, so, and you just knocked on the door and you just rushed into their house, took out their old furniture and put the new one in. And they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? And you'd be like, well, I'm just giving you better furniture. And be yeah. like, I didn't ask you to. Yeah. Whereas if you knock on the door and say, by the way, I've, I've got this furniture here. It's really brand new. Would you like to have a look at it? See what you think? And they say, oh yeah, why not? And you go, and it's just like framing it that way. I've got, I've got a suggestion. Do, do you mind? But something you tapped on earlier, I just want to hold that thought. Something you tapped on earlier, which is really good. You said Google used to be a search engine and it did. And they're very, very clever what they did. All these platforms, Google, YouTube, Facebook, they got everyone on for five, 10 years. Don't to trust them. Yeah. Once everyone was on them, they haven't got a term for it. Google it. 95% of the people use Google, you know, Google or Google Chrome, Google it. Fucking, it's how they've got that now. They've got everyone on there and then like we've been our businesses on there. And then when they wanted to spark you off and go, look, we don't, we don't agree with this. Boom. Burn the books. They're very, very clever, strategic, what they do. Very I think, I think definitely. And, and in it for the long, in it for the long game, you know, this is not, it's not a two, I mean, it's not even a two year agenda is this, is it? So as we know, it's just gone back from 
even from the dawn of time. And it's just utilizing technology in different ways of book burning. Um, and they know, I mean, it's like they, they, they responsible for the, the predictive programming that we're experiencing. And so, you know, we already know what kind of opposition that you're, you know, if you're trying to help somebody and say, have you looked into this, what X, Y, Z, and even just down to the word conspiracy theorist, which I, I find that the most boring terminology for somebody who, who thinks outside of the box, but they're already armed. You know, people have been given these buzzwords that they, they paraphrase from, from the media, from the news. And they don't even realize they're doing it a bit. Like I was thinking a while ago, you know, about the whole overpopulation thing. Well, the fact that you could get. I think you get everybody, everybody on the entire population of the earth could fit into Australia, I think it is. And they could each have an acre and you'd still have the rest. Texas, yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, Texas as well. Te Texas, you wouldn't have an acre. I don't know. Maybe that's true. But yeah, either or. But, but you get, and obviously you've got people that are rammed into cities and they don't ram you into a city, do they? They entice people. There's always this nudge. It's like when you read the lockstep agenda. And it's like, okay, they're going to hijack, they're going to overtake the agricultural policies. They're going to have 5G, G run farms in the countryside. And we're going to get everybody out of the countryside. And we're going to put them all into a smart city. They're not actually going to come around and point a gun at you and tell you to get in a smart city. They'll just diminish your bank account so much through what, taxation, through the price, the, the cost of living expenses, through hyperinflation of, of goods and services. And then they'll say, actually, you can have a nice three bedroom apartment in the city and it's going to be half the rent that you're paying us now to rent your house back off us. You know, there'll be some sorts of clever ways of getting people to do what they want them to do. It's like, they don't suddenly say, we're going to get you to re eat these, I don't know what they're like, these witchetty grub sandwiches that are genetically engineered in a laboratary. They will gradually, they infiltrate the vegan movement. Who's going to argue with the vegan movement? Well, Every, I, I respect the ethics of the vegan. I don't, I don't, I can't be, be a vegan. I've tried to do it. It didn't work for me very well, but ethically, I respect it. I love animals and I would never, I would never really draw swords with a vegan because I actually, I really do admire what they're doing, but there is a level of naivety within the vegan movement where they don't realize they're being played much in the same way as the, oh God, what was it? When they, uh, when they tried to get women to do the, the you know, they, both parents would, the feminist movement is the word I was looking for. <laughs> And they infiltrated that and it was just the hype taxation and to hype, you know, to take, steal more money off the masses. And that's kind of what they're doing with the vegan movement. They're infiltrating them and they're seeding the idea that, that meat is, you know, a corrosive thing to be having in our environment or to be ingesting. And actually it's going to affect the carbon emissions. And so then that's coming into your social credit score. So there's all these different vectors that are all coming in from this huge link wheel of complete and if you don't see the bigger picture, like I'm sure you know, if you don't see the bigger picture, you don't, you won't see that, you know, maybe somebody has two pieces of the puzzle, it'll just go past them like that and they won't realize what, what's actually the bigger picture and much less won't be able to foresee or project forward what will happen to them in the future. And so people go along with it. And then of course, without even realizing that, so we're overpopulated, we need to eat less meat. We need to have meat free protein and then, you know, stage enter, you know, Bill Gates or whoever anything, to produce yeah, anything back by that. this Frankenstein food and people will lap it up because you always think, well, they won't, but they bloody do. They just lap it. I mean, they lap up lockdown. I met so many people that said, oh, I love lockdown. It's amazing. Like, oh, I was on furlough. I was getting all this money. I was like, where do you think the money's coming from? They're like, oh, no cat. I'm like, yeah, but your pub's shut and that's probably going to go out of business. And if it doesn't, it's any matter of time, if you allow this to continue. And it's, it's just, it was incredible to watch actually. It's been an incredible movie to be part of.
Yeah, no, it's it's when it comes to that, like the, uh, the vegan agenda. You said you said you wouldn't draw swords at them. So I understand because most most of the things we definitely agree on. But it's just when yeah. when you see like a lot of very I've seen I've, I've had people come at me for what I say, and then a year later, two years later, Brian, I'm I'm so sorry. Like I I was really ill. I started eating meat again, and my life changed. I was like, no, no problem. Like you're welcome. It's it's a lot of the high profile vegans like Tim Sheaf. You know, he started eating meat again because he couldn't get well. I don't know. His life yeah. changed. Yeah. And, and it's like one of those things that I, I, I get it. And what's, what's it like cow, cow spirit, cows create as much pollution as cars. It's like, I think someone mm-hmm. kind of all read this. They said, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll sleep in, I'll sleep in the, in my garage with a cow all night. And I'll sleep with your car engine and we'll see which one who wakes up, you know? And, it, yeah. and that's, and that's the thing. It's like, and we, when I don't understand how the monocropping is destroying the land, stripping it of the topsoil, which is it's killing like, so many more animals. It's, it's just corrosive to them. And animal like Joe Sanatine shows at Polyface Farm, you know, the way that they, them being there helps the ecosystem. It's like, yeah. they put the wolves back into Yellowstone Park. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They put yeah. Yellowstone and Yosemite Park, one of them, they put the wolves back in there. And it literally led all these, like, basically, because the wolves went there, the, the, the deer that were just massacring their land. They wouldn't be in certain areas anymore. So that allowed for the, the grass and the trees to grow. The grass. Remember this. Yeah. Yeah. It meant that the birds would come in and then more, and because there'd be more rodents on the floor, the birds could feed. And then that meant they would be in certain areas and it allowed for, it allowed for the rivers to start to flow and it changed the whole landscape of, and that's what happens with the animals in the ecosystem. If you don't allow them to, to farm, you're rewilding or just being in the wild, then being there allows the ecosystem to, to change. Otherwise. Things just that's why people have to, have to cull certain animals because otherwise they'll just run amok. They're apex predators, they won't die, and then yeah, the whole system is is gone. So, you know, when it comes to that, I, yeah, I say I understand where the vegans are coming from. Animal cruelty. I'm against CAFOs and careful yeah, farming all the time. It's why we get like wild wild caught or grass fed and farmers farmers that do things the right way. But, you know, death is a part of life. And if you look into it at a deeper level, it's like you're upgrading their consciousness. It's why everyone prayed over their meals. They're saying, very much for giving your life so I can be the healthiest version of myself in, in better yeah. terms. And, you know, I've tried it as well, mate, for six six months. The first three, I felt good because my body was cleansing. The last three, yeah. those about six, seven months, I started, to, well, we couldn't get, basically, my, my libido went. I started to get bad breath. I started to, have, I had no energy. I couldn't think clearly, you know, that, and I see people, the other thing that people would dive into this so much for as well, Roy, is because people used to have a family unit or a community to buy into, and that would be who they belong to. Now they've destroyed that with a family unit. You know, you said before, the feminist movement and all these transgender yeah. movements. Yeah. And yeah. people are, are so longing to belong that they'll just jump into something like veganism and it's, it becomes who they are, you know, girl, girl, like girl, vegan girl, or whatever is their handle. And they're so lost that they want to be join a community and they'll even sacrifice their own health to be part of it. That's how lost people are. And that's just like, it's, it's a shame. And it's why doing talks like this. And I say to people, like, reach out to people, get on. Uh, there's one thing this thing has done is, you know, when I was two or three years ago, I was always, I could always work from anywhere because my stuff's online, but I, I only went away with my friends could go away. This thing happened and we got together a group on Facebook called like, it was called plan B finding someone that would be open and we, yeah. went now, and we made like, that was like 20 of us we made friends. We lived in Mexico. And then from that, we went different places and we met other people on this journey and, and 
we've met people that are now part of our tribe. And so it's allowed us to expand. So in one way, yeah, it's, it's been terrible what they're doing and hundred percent what they're trying to push through is terrible, but it's allowed me and other people and probably you to make new connections and yeah. have people who are aware so we can make communities down the line. So for one of the reasons I'm doing different places is because I want to see somewhere that I could live, I feel like I could live long term. And I'll be like, right guys, we're putting out a PR. Who else wants to buy land on this pit um, here? And we can have a community of people. Because if there's a community of people, it's hard for them to try and do anything. It's because we're so broken. There's no like the family unit to be so strong or like you're trying to take someone over, trying to conquer someone. Now everyone's so like mums are working two jobs, you know, just trying to make ends meet. They can't even think about this stuff because they're so busy just trying to survive. So fragmented, isn't it? And I, I think that, you know, Doug, it's not, it's only when you take a step, take a step back and you look at the way society runs, which is literally like working nine to five, nine to coming back, ready meal in the oven, watching, you know, pre-programmed entertainment, television, weekends, getting drunk, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And when you actually take a step back and you, what is this? I mean, I think for me, it was when I first started looking into the inception of the Federal Reserve in, I think it was 1913. And I was looking on, I think it's uh, Edward G. Griffith or G. Edward Griffith. And I always get that the wrong way around, but I was listening to him and I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And in fact, he was on the truth about cancer. I think that's where I found it. And then I started to look into that. That's the financial side of it. And I was like, fractional reserve banking. Well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's, that's theft, doesn't it? <laughs> and then you go into the whole taxation system and you go, oh my God, the whole things are, it's all theft. It's all, you know, whether it's thieving your money or it's thieving your energy or it's thieving your psychology or it's, it's really a shame. And then you go, are they human? I, I, I struggle to even think that the people that are actually pulling the strings are even human. Not that I have any evidence to suggest any of that, but. It's definitely difficult to, to understand why, why they're doing what they're doing, because we could have such a great life. I mean, the fact that you, you and I are talking about building, building communities outside of the system, whereas, you know, I'm just sort of a standard sort of middle-class, you know, went to school, went to university. I, I did end up doing an unusual fashion modeling, which is an unusual career, which was kind of accidental, which gave me a lot of time to read and self-awareness and, and things like that. But essentially I'm just like a normal guy from a suburban town talking about stuff that a few decades ago would be, would be within the confines of like the hippie movement. You know, I think that's never going to be me. Well, you know, I'm very, I was conventional and then suddenly I'm like, well, fuck, I can't stand it. I can't hang around at this system because it's absolutely, it's broken. Well, but this is the way like even meeting each other through that. So now you've got, have we spoken as well? So now you've got, and some people you just, you just click with and you're just like, okay, anything like that, come down, meet up. You know, you've got someone that you can just message or have friends with. Cause that's what this has done as well. It's allowed, cause it, certain people, you always have certain friendships, no matter what, no matter what goes on, just, they might not be in the same vibration as you, but you'll just be friends with them. So no. you need to have connections with people that are on this journey with you because otherwise it's a lonely world. Right. And. And so, and so it's, it's like with, with these communities, people, it's one of the things you do, you, you get that sense of, you know, people pulling together, which is good to meeting people and even having, I've, I've made so many good connections like this, Rory, as well, you know, people that are open-minded and understanding what's going on. And as you said, most people, you know, nine to five, nine to six, come back, watched it. It's actually, what's that film they did? Well, a little, little, little cartoon film there. Everyone's just sitting in their couch, sitting in their own chair, feeding themselves to death. Watching the screen, which I can't remember. Pretty much every cartoon. Yeah. Is it Family Guys? Like that? Or I don't know. I think it might be called Wally or something like that, the film. And it was about like two things of the future. 
and you look at people, how much we regressed. You see pictures from the 1970s, Rory. No one was overweight. Now you're like, you're one out if you're in good shape, you know, it's, it's. I I was thinking about that because I was listening just randomly. I just, I was walking the dog and I just, I don't normally take my phone with me, but I did this afternoon. And I just randomly just flicked it. I was like, oh, let's have a look at Ryan's podcast. And like, I just, because you've done quite a lot. And I, I flicked on, it landed on Dan Furlong. And you were talking about that on, on that particular podcast. And I was just thinking this afternoon about how, when I was younger, so when I was doing fashion modeling, I used to, I didn't know how to lose weight. So I just thought I was genetically biased to be overweight because it can't be what I'm eating because I'm trying to stop it. So I went through this whole and obviously the ketogenic diet was the first time when I, I realized that actually your body is intelligent and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. The lies that are spun because then you, that lifts the veil on everything. Your Herbalife, Slimming World, Weight Watchers, okay. totally effective. That doesn't mean that somebody can't, they, yeah, for sure. If you, if you restrict calories and have some crazy treat party on a Friday night where you're allowed a hundred calories of chocolate or whatever, you will lose weight. And then we're going into this argument of sustainability in terms of weight loss. But for me, I was like, I'd never, no, no, I'd never really didn't even know what fasting, like intermittent fasting was. So to suddenly see my body change and this, 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 this midriff that would never ever disappear. And I, what I used to do with the, in, in modeling was I'd have a shoot and they'd give me like, you know, I might get, a, if I'm lucky, I might get a five day week heads up. So how, and I would then, so Rory, so Rory, five day week heads up, keep that, keep that thought. How old was you? So I started when I was 21. Right. And I just lit, I mean, look, I would, I would work for German catalogs and things and they would go, Hey, Rory, you know, you, you know, the client is saying, you know, a really good model, but uh, you know, the, the client is saying he's a little bit overweight and he's not saying this in such a nice way, Ryan. <laughs> and so it, it, it was a problem and, and I would, I could slim down by starving myself and I'd, become, I'd become a nervous wreck. So I was like, why am I depressed and anxious? You know, and I can't sleep and I've got insomnia. And I remember waking up in, in hotel rooms and going to the minibar and eating, do you know those little Ritter Sport chocolate bars? Yeah. 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 Seeing that minibar thing. I used to, I used to eat like, because my blood sugars were all over the place. I'd literally so many different problems. And I've, I, I had no idea that I needed nutrition. If I go further into the journey, much like what you were alluding to about your personal story, I go further down. Cause obviously I immediately started looking back and I was like, okay, multiple courses of antibiotics when I was a kid, tonsillectomy. Okay. So I had a biome issue. So I had leaky gut, gut permeability. Now, of course, now I'm eating processed grains and now I'm starting to get depressed and that's binding to opioid receptors in the brain. And that's having a negative impact on X, Y, Z. And Hey, if I've got pyrolurea and I've, I'm excreting, you know, if I've got a gen- some genetic aberration where I'm, I'm excreting zinc and B6, then maybe I'm going to experience more anxiety and, and I pieced it together and I was like, this is exactly what happened to me. And I ended up going on this cycle of having sugar cravings, high adrenal function, inability to sleep, which obviously raised, you know, raised adrenal function and then fast energy foods. So when I was a kid, four, four or five years old, I was eating harvest crunch bars and it was no, it was no cupboard that I wouldn't scale to get to that harvest crunch bar. There was no, there was no staircase that I couldn't client to get to the next bit of chocolate or whatever it was that was going to give you an app sugar fix. And I could just see how that un- unfolded. And then if I look at say the vaccine schedule that I had as a child, I'm not entirely aware of everything that I had. My mum doesn't really remember, but for sure I got vaccinated against something. Then I ended up nearly dying of what it was that I was like, <laughs> I can't remember if it was months or something yeah. and I'd love to find out, but, but yeah, you can see the timeline of events and then 
then you can see how that affects your personality growing up. So when you're at school, well, I was the shy one because that then affects your environment. And then you, you know, you're, that becomes your reality. And then I found out that then I thought I had depression when I was 18, because I was reading Sunday Times Style magazine. And it was telling me that, you know, depression was a, was a disorder. I was like, well, I, I, I can identify. I'm sure most people can identify with these, these symptoms. And I was like, well, I need antidepressants. The only reason I didn't go to get antidepressants was because I was too shy to go and tell a doctor that I had depression. Right. And then of course, when I found out what I found out, then the de- you know, depression evaporated. Depression is obviously a signaling system to tell you that something in your environment or in your, in your body is out of balance or that you need to motivate yourself to do something to create the reality you want. So there's so many different things to talk about depression, but, but with the chronic depression that I felt when I was growing up, I really do think that was attributed to the, to the buildup and the, the, the toxicity that I had in my system, which I believe without oversimplifying it was born within the problem within my gastro, within my gut. Well, put it this way, simply your brain can only be as healthy as the blood that surrounds it. And, no. and if, you know, you said Vegas, no gut to brain, if your gut's inflamed, no. brain inflammation, depression, it's amazing. It's like, I've had so many clients come to me with certain things and certain illnesses or symptoms. And you said before, look, they're just different names. They're just different symptoms for the same thing. Yeah. I mean, inflamed, toxic, deficient, internally balanced, nobody stressed. Okay. You get those things, but all of a sudden life's a lot better, you know, and people, oh my God, my depression has gone or my anxiety has gone. It's like, yeah, it's not an, it's not a condition <laughs> of what's going on internally and also externally in the environment. And when you work on that, now you're. Your, inter- your external health to resolve your internal health. And for me, for me, you said for five days before your shoot, what you'd, you'd starve yourself. I mean, you do it from 21 until you were 36. I mean, sorry, can you say that again, Ryan? I just missed the last bit of what That's right. How old were you? We did it 21 years old to how old? 21 years old till, you know, till lockdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the book. I'm on the book. All right. But it's a bit of a problem. It's a, it's a bit of a problem because social media is very much linked to, say, the, web, the website. <laughs> Of, of my, my agency and I knew what I was doing, you know, so when, when this all kicked off that I had a choice and it was literally like, keep my mouth shut and, and, you know, send some, you know, do some updates and go and see the agency and things like that, or, or try and stop the world from being completely nuked. And I pretty much figured that there weren't that many people in my industry that were willing to speak out. And I know quite a few people know what's going on, but they're too afraid to speak out because yeah. of their wives. Do you know Andrew Cooper? I haven't seen him in ages, but I do know him. Yeah, he's with Young. Yeah, he's, he's, he's someone that, he's someone that, he's, I follow him on Instagram. He's one of the yeah. only blogs I follow on Instagram. He's like, good looking guy. I've followed him because yeah. when I first come across him, he had a thing called Juicement and he was into juice and into help. <laughs> but then he's like, he's properly, he's proper, first of all, he's proper woke. I see some of the things he puts up, I about mute him. And he's also gone and got the vax and everything. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. He, fuck. Yeah, wow. yeah. And I was really surprised at that because he was really into like everything hell. Like, um, I, do you know what though? I've, uh, I've come across so many people that like yoga, yoga instructors and uh-huh. spiritual people. Stuff. Like I know somebody, or I know a few people, one of which brings to mind that I obviously won't mention any names. This particular person was very, very, I don't know, you know, spiritual tarot all about the power of the healing of the mind and everything. And I found out that this person was promoting, hadn't just gone and taken it, was promoting it, which is like, you know, the antithesis of, of everything that they'd ever said. And, and I found that extraordinary. And I know I spoke to somebody through the agency and he said, you know, most people have, have gone for it and the agency were promoting it to the younger models. And I was like, oh, I, I'm very grateful to, to, to that side of my, 
life, you know, it gave me a lot of time to, to think and develop other skills and, and what have you and to travel, but I couldn't get on board with that because I knew, I know I knew too much about what was going on. So I made that decision from day one. I was literally like, I'm going to say something. And I mean, long before you and I connected on Instagram, I was probably like yourself, I was just hammering it every day, like night and day, getting called all kinds of stuff for stuff that then came true. That's good. I, should, I, should, I, mean, I never got any, I got a couple of apologies actually, but in the, in the, in the main, in the main frame of things, I, I never really got, you know, the people I would have liked, because <laughs> that's just your ego talking, isn't it? But like, it did come true, but I guess they just sort of, oh, I can't remember that, but there was, I don't think there was much. The only thing that I got really wrong was the timeline of food shortages. So I knew there was going to be food food supply disruption, but I got that totally wrong. I thought that was going to be a lot sooner, but then you can't second guess everything in geopolitics. Hey, well, they, they chop and change things as well, depending on how many kind of oh. buy into it. So yeah. Or, yeah, certain people were starting to realize that COVID's bullshit. They're changing narrative when we go to war. Um, and so yeah. now climate change and no, no, mate, there's, there's, what is it that, how it was difference between a conspiracy theory and, and truth six, six months. months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put it this way. It's like. Things coming true and, and people still going in conspiracy. It's like, what the fuck? It's mad though, isn't it? Because then you, you go up to the people and you say, but look, this happened. And I told you, and then they'll give you some bizarre justification. They'll go, yeah, but it had to happen because of this and that. And, you know, and then, it, 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 you know, and what, and then they'll tell you, and they'll say, well, where did you get that information from? They'll say, well, I got it on the main or ITV this morning or something like that, which for me is like sticking pins into my head. Uh, and I don't mean in acupuncture sense. I should maybe say nails. I, I can't even watch the mainstream media anymore. I find it really, really difficult. There was a period of time where I watched it, but mostly just to appease other people to say that I see it from all sides. Because obviously I'd seen it from the 36 years of my life side. I've, I've been nothing but programmed through the television set and through the media. And and then, you know, and then my own, my own independent investigation. I even like prefer to call it investi investigation rather than research because even research has been bastardized as a word because in the regard to research, you can't say that anymore because it's it, so every little nook and cranny has been already blocked up by the. You said earlier about like, Mike Adams, and then you got someone like Dr. McCullough who had to like put 25 years worth of articles behind a, behind a, like a wall because they were going to come out. It's just yeah. like. They'll go improve. Yeah, yeah, well, they, well, they will. And and Mike Adams and the rest of them, it's just crazy. So if you really if you really don't agree with what they're saying, come on, put it all on the table and let's discuss it. Yeah, it's be why. Because, yeah. I mean, I want these people to go and listen. Because you listen to it, you spend any length of time listening to McConnell or Mike Adams. And I disagree. There's some things that Mike Adams have said that have been a little bit extreme. Yeah. that have maybe set my heart racing because I feared they might be true, but maybe they haven't come true, but it's still his opinion. Journalistically, he's actually excellent and he's a scientist and he, I like his approach and I want to hear these people and I don't mind if I disagree with them. And I want to hear Bacola. I want to hear Mikevich and, you know, Mikevich disagrees with John Cowan on, I think, I think I've got that right. I think there was some disagreement between Kaufman and Mikevich or Tom Cowan and Mikevich over the existence of viruses or the HIV and, and well, I still want to listen to them. The fact that there, there is entities out there trying to prohibit that discussion, which is the basis of science, is just bizarre to me. But it's not bizarre. I understand why they're doing it, but it's fundamentally, it's fundamentally wrong because they know that there are people out there that will never ever come across these people because of those blocks and those censorships. 
that's the thing. When you speak to someone, I say, well, before we get into it, do you know who Kerry, Kerry Mullis is? They're like, Kerry Mullis is. Do you know who Dr. Robert Maloney? No. Okay. Do you know who Dr. Sebananka is? No. Do you know who Dr. Thomas Cowan is? No. Okay. Um, do you know, and you just go through it. And then, no, it's like, well, we haven't got anything to discuss then because you literally don't know what any, like, you haven't, you haven't got no, it's a surface thick. It's, it's an inch thick. So you, the, you scratch beneath the surface and nothing there because you're just literally repeating what you've, you've heard rather than the people that have actually developed the test, developed the vaccine. It's come out the other day. So there's no research paper available that shows the existence of any virus in any, in any living fluid from human or animal. He said, if you go and take yes. a sample of the chicken, the chicken pox lesion, you won't find the chicken pox virus. So it's, it's, you, it's, it's, Dr. Stefan Lanka has, as I said before, he's, uh, he's absconded his, his, uh, virology title, virologist title, because he said it's, it's complete nonsense. He said, it, it's, there's no such thing. It's like being an expert in unicorn. Yeah. 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 So it's just, it's just pretty- not that powerful, isn't it? Because then that's almost like, so I was having a discussion with a friend of mine and I think we were, you know, because I'm a, such a fun guy to hang around with, I ended up putting on Tom Callan. I don't know what, I don't think it was your podcast. It was someone else's and I can't remember who it was, but it was Tom Callan anyway. And randomly put it on whilst we were chatting and, uh, and he was going, oh my God, like this guy's actually making a lot of sense. And I was like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, but the whole of virology, because it's, you know, this, this, this veil of superiority, this veil of complexity that they struggle. The whole of oncology is exactly what I said. I was like, I was like, well, can you think of another industry that's done the same where actually the solution is actually so simple. I know there are technical elements and, you know, the pancreatic enzymes, trans and blast and different myriad of different diseases up to 199 or whatever, and, and brain tubes are slightly geobastomes are slightly different and you can approach them in different ways. But essentially the, the simplicity of what we're actually talking about is such that compared to the complexity of like the whole of oncology, like the, the decades and decades, we're talking what 120 years of bullshit research that's gone into allopathic medicine. That's okay. that, that's taken us from one in a hundred to one in two and, and nobody still, I mean, for, for me, the genocidal plan was already well, and I mean, it's been going on forever and a day. I mean, this has been going on since the dawn of time, but specifically, particularly in the, since the beginning of the 20th century. And this is just an extension of that. It's just an acceleration. It's like full steam ahead. We've got them all. Most people are brainwashed, but no, nobody's going to listen to the other guys because we'll just shut them out. Yeah. And that's essentially where we're at. But Tom Cowan, I found, I find him fascinating. I, I find the way he talks. He's so, he's so, so monetary. It's just like, yeah, yeah. It's just like down the line. He's not the most, like, it's not the yeah. most fun conversation, but he's just like, no, no. it's like, but he's, 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 yeah, he's bang on the money. Like you said, you come to cancer, like cancer research and, and things like that. It's just an abomination of a, of a charity. Like 60% of their money doesn't even go to, it goes to like their funding their, their lifestyles and then the other 40% or whatever it is goes to the research that's pushed by Big Pharma, which, you know, it's not. It counts as a $200 billion a year industry in the US alone. They don't own everything else. $200 billion and they don't want a cure. And, it, and I'll tell you what, I'm, Ryan, I was just going to say, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say $200 billion now. Can you imagine what it's going to be like um, for the people that are going to experience that as a side effect of something they may have taken that won't necessarily be prevalent as of yet? That's going to Skype. I mean, this is big pharma. This is big pharma win, isn't it? You know, that's the other thing people are saying, oh, I took it and, I, and I'm all right. It's like, what? You didn't die. Oh, well done. Well, that's, that's, that's a positive, is it? We're not yet. Oh, no. 
You're not yet. I didn't it's the problem because it's the, it's the latency of the product, isn't it? It's like, you know, there's no, there's complete indemnification for the, for the, for the manufacturers that, I mean, even if you didn't know anything about virology, even if you didn't know anything about the history of the world or Satanism, just that one fact alone would be like a massive red flag, you know, that to get the hell away from a product that is not insurable. And I, I believe Lloyd's, Lloyd's wouldn't insure and Pfizer or any of the, none of them are insurable. So hence, you know, hence they have their indemnity. And then of course they're, they've always had the liability. You know, they've always had indemnity ever since, I think it was, was it 1986 when yeah. Reagan? Yeah, not in Reagan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, because it was the insurance company said that their product is undeniably unsafe. Wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's so, it's so unsafe, but it is, it's like the forbidden, it's the forbidden, it's the big one, isn't it? It's the one thing that you can't say. Yeah, yeah, you can. I'm questioning it. And, and I find it, I find that, you know, that's obviously been, I mean, like my, I've got a German mother, I've got an engineer, my father was an engineer when he was back in the day. So I've got like a strange, a curious mix of kind of very fiery inquisition mixed with sort of an analytical kind of systematic system breakdown kind of mind of kind of working things out. And so if somebody tells me that, that there's no liability on a product, then you better, you know, I'm going to find out exactly why all the, all other things being equal. But the fact is, as soon as you look into that history of those companies, you can't believe not only have they made this particular product that they've been firing out worldwide, but the fact that any of them are allowed to still be a business is just absolutely beggar's belief. Well, yeah, it's because, you know, you, you pay the right people. You, I mean, you said before it's 30, 35 billion in the last 10 years before biggest vaccine producers for bribing officials. Yes. For, for, for fraudulent science, falsifying data yeah, everything. and killing people. But for, the thing is, for people out there, because well, I've got to wrap this up in a minute, I'm yeah. going to continue this conversation, hopefully face to face. We'd like to say, yeah, sure. it's always good for people to know what's going on so they can understand it behind, because once you understand the depth behind it, you can start making changes. And this is why I would say to people like yeah. solutions for them. And I always try and put that up every day, you know, certain things to do every day to keep yourself healthy. And then what's to say to you as like the guest, what would be some of the things you'd recommend for people to do on like a daily basis or even a weekly basis that can keep them nice and healthy? On a, on, a, on a daily basis, I'd say for me, for me, when I first got into this, I was very much about supplements. So I, I was like, I was feverish about supplements. Like which supplements can I take? P5, P, magnesium, L, L3 and A, how much D3, B vitamins, methylate. You know, I went into all these different cascade of supplements to try and improve things like there would be a magic switch. And sometimes that really, they can be really helpful. But as you know, for me, one of the most important things is what you take away. So I can only give you, cause we're all individual. I can only give you my experience personally. When I take away things like, unfortunately, gluten, which has been my biggest bugbear, that, you know, processed bread, uh, if it's sourdough and it's organic can be a little bit better. But if I take away some gluten and I would say coffee, although I enjoy it, I, I know exactly why I enjoy it and I know the best time to drink it and I know the dopamine spike and I know the knock-on effect. I'd say if I take away those two things on an average week, my week gets a lot better. If I, and also if I, I would say watercress is my number one supplement. I absolutely, I think, I don't even really like the taste of it, but watercress for me is one of the most nutrient dense products, uh, foods. If you get decent organic watercress with no pesticides on it, and if you can fit that into your meals during the day, all other things being equal, you're getting significantly higher levels of, well, even iodine is like probably one of the most predominant minerals that's within it, but 
you're going to be significantly better off than 99% of the popular, 99% of where you live, because most people wouldn't even know about it. So I'd say, I'd say, you know, it's, 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 I'm trying to glorify something that's actually a simple answer, which is just eat vegetables and salad and make an allot for all foods, uh, eat organic and don't use dangerous cooking oils like seed oils and, you know, coconut oils or avocado oils, my, my favorite for frying or, or whatever. And then just be balanced as well and don't beat yourself up if you do, if you, if you do end up going out and having a pizza, don't let the guilt consume you because then you're literally, you know, then you're playing, <laughs> you're, you're in reverse then. So I think if I make some bad decisions or if I go out and have a few drinks and, you know, I might drink too much or something because I live in the north of England. So that tends to happen now and again. I know how to mitigate that, but I try not to judge myself. So yeah, without, yeah, I think that's, those are probably some of the, some of the key points of what you said around the drink as well, sometimes it's like your quality of life is going to be increased by going out and having a few drinks with someone and with your friends and family. And for that time, you're having, that's, your, that's food for the soul. That's your quality of life. But you don't do that all the time. And you mentioned like good foods, kind of gluten, wheat, uh, caffeine. And then I tell you people, something you said earlier on, going for a nice walk with your dog or just going outside and getting some fresh air, you know, you know, listening to uplifting music and getting away from the mainstream, mainstream probably. Yeah. yeah. 100%. You should. Just common sense stuff, but, but it needs reiterating, I think, because when you do those things, you really do you feel a difference. Most people that I know around, I'd say where I live are not on board even with eating organic food. It's quite difficult to even come by unless you go to specific supermarkets. And so they don't understand the importance of it much like I did, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't, I didn't get the importance of it at all whatsoever, but I think that that's a pretty important they came for me. If I could, I mean, it's yeah. I was going to say, you can always order it online though. If you've even got a shop, there's things like my friend Joseph, he's got his Thomas Joseph butchery. You've got that there and you, they sell vegetables as well. Even like you can get Waitrose, Dutch Organic online if, if you want, you know, so you can always do that. And so there are options out there that people, I would say, if you haven't got anything around you, you do live in an online world now. And so yeah, thing, it's like conversations like this are online, but then also detach from the things that are just, if you find yourself, you know, being used by your phone or being used by the internet rather than you using it. Then that's when you but, um, and also right i just wanted to add water filtration which i know i know that you'll agree with it's like 100 percent definitely especially now with the fluoridation and the, uh, the chemicals that are going in even through even through the runoff of the rainwater but specifically i think everybody should have a water filter now that worries me as well with all the thyroid problems and all the the forecast illnesses that we presume will start to occur as we move forward throughout this program I would say water filtration is a huge one. I should have mentioned that should have been like the first thing. Yeah. Water filtration. Water filtration. And maybe some pelvic minerals and all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Water filtration is always say it's not just what you add in, it's what you subtract, you know, and it's like taking out those yeah. dead, it's heavy metals in there. But it's all the medication that goes into the water now, people weighing it into it. Really? Right. As well as that, you know, the, yeah. it's all the chemicals that are changing the, the, the female fish, the male fish into female fish and the hermaphrodites, you yeah. know, they're seeing it in the alligators in, in the, in Florida, they the penis isn't actually even big enough to impregnate the females anymore because of what's going on. So hundred percent. Crazy. Yeah. I'm going to have to wrap it up. Roy. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway, it was fantastic. And we'll do this again. And I'll meet <laughs> when I'm back in the UK and we can hopefully meet up and do it face to face. Yep. For sure. Good to, good to talk to you, Ryan. Thanks a lot. I'm out. Awesome, man. 
If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.